Hello and welcome again to episode eight. This is going to be another Snow Farms underground episode. And today is the 16th of September, 2022. Today we're going to be talking about my thoughts on uh, young men joining the military. I, I think, and I'll, I don't know enough on the women's side to give you good advice one way or the other right now, but I do know on the men's side, and this is going to cover, I've got a bunch of uh, guys I serve with now who are Marines. I did a short donated part of my life with the army in 2004 to go escort uh, convoys in Iraq. So, and then I work on a Naval air station now. So I've, I've been around all four branches at least a little bit. And then I, I worked at PCS down here from an active duty air force base so I've seen the active side, the guard side, and I'll just give you my thoughts. And this is just me and my career. I'm not speaking for as, you know, for the Air Force, this is just me. Um, the number one positive, and before I start with this, I want to tell you about the, the good things about the military. I have made unbelievable lifelong friends in the service, and the relationships that you can have they're they're just second to none um the only place to compare those two would be within a college basketball team the depth you just spend so much time suffering with these folks and overcoming things solving problems their wins their losses commiseration and celebration go hand in hand the doors that the air force opened for me for a you know, poor kid from half the south and half idaho I, I never would have had the success in life i really believe this had i not joined because when i was a young man the credentialism having a college degree opened up so so many doors it was there was a big big gulf between having it and not where now honestly that gulf is gone and if you can avoid having debt you are ahead of most of your peers who have a degree that have a hundred thousand or even $50,000 worth of debt. So the number one thing about joining the military, and this doesn't matter what service branch you join, the base education office. Kleptes, Dante's, Excelsior College, there are all these things that you can go do for zero cost. Those things are free. I did right at 200 total credits at the base education office. It was an army base education office had a really, really awesome major that ran it. He retired as Lieutenant Colonel. That, and again, I've, <laughs> one of my favorite troops, we talk every week. Um, he's, he's down on the border right now. But the first conversation I had with him, he made excuses about why he didn't get his degree done while he was in on active duty. And I asked him if he had the 30 days of leave while he was on active duty that everyone else got. And he said, yes. And I asked him if there's a base education office on his, where he was stationed at for the eight years he was active duty. He said, yes. I go, then you made choices not to go get your education done. And it was a really hard first conversation, but guys coming in, I want them to know I'm going to hold them accountable and I try and help you. He has finished his degree. He is halfway through his master's now. And it's like, like I said, we are very, very close. I, it's been so fun to watch him grow and just 
blossom into a wonderful leader, great dad, great man. So that education office, it is the the biggest thing no one ever told me about before I went in. And it, it was a year and a half before someone introduced me to that. But once they did, in 31 days, I did 200 credits. So there's that. And again, it's not like I'm some Elon Musk up in here. The, the way they mean those tests, they take C students, three years out of that class, give them the test. The average score becomes the average passing score. So there are a lot of those tests. They're in the 50% range to get three to six. The biggest one I got was 12 credits for college Spanish. It's a full semester. It took me three hours. Those opportunities. And if you're a native speaker, why in the world haven't you gone and taken that? So what if you fail it? You can go take it again after a couple months. Who cares? Knock out that. Um, because I think you only need 18 hours to have a minor in Spanish in a lot of places. So there's something to think about. The next thing, the GI Bill. So the way the GI Bill works, you need 36 months of active duty time. So that can be deployments. If you're a guardsman, those days are pretty much gone now because we're out of Afghanistan. We're still in, in the Middle East, but it is throttled way, way back, especially for the guard. So one of the things that you can do, and Indian Bronson, uh, if I remember, I will put his Twitter handle, has a great piece about, and, and his is, honestly, I when I first started reading it, I thought it was pretty selfish. But the more I thought about it and I read it a second time, it was just matter of fact. Here are the benefits you you can take advantage of. If you're going to do this to escape poverty, to escape a bad home, here's what you can do. Get in, get everything you can, and get out. That's very fair. It's no different if you're working at McDonald's. Our, our oldest works at McDonald's. She has had a, honestly goodness, she's learned more in a year working at McDonald's than I think most business kids. Uh, majors learn as far as real life, dealing with customers, shrinkage, firing people, hiring people, training people. It really is at that level. But that GI Bill, 36 months of active duty. So there are a couple things you can do. You can sign a six-year active duty contract. So whether that's the Army, don't do it the Marines, kids. It, the Marines, are it's a calling. It's no different than if you have a calling to be a, a minister, a priest, a teacher, it is a miserable lifestyle. There are some guys at one of my former players made it to Lieutenant. Take that back. Didn't make Lieutenant Colonel did 17 years. That was what he was born to do. I love him to death for it. He knew that if that's your calling, attack that with all that you have in you and go give it your all. But for the rest of you, if you're just trying to figure out, I'm trying to escape poverty. I'm trying to better my life, better my position. That GI Bill is a huge, huge deal. It's 36 months. So that is nine months per year at pretty much any institution. They have this thing called the Yellow Ribbon Program. So any school that you can be accepted into, there is a deal worked out between the DOD. They will take your max and forgive the rest. So that school doesn't give you any financial aid. So they're, they give most kids who come in these huge aid packages. It's just a shell game to write off. You can get into world-class schools with that GI Bill. And I think J.D. Vance is probably the best example of that. He came home from the Army. Uh, if I remember right, it's been a long time since I read Hillbilly Allergy, but went to Ohio State, graduated very quickly, and got into an Ivy League school. So those are the things that you can do with that. 
And it's also transferable to your children. If you do like I did, I, I didn't burn any of my GI Bill doing my bachelor's or my master's. And I have 36 months that's been split between the girls. So that's definitely one of those things there. Um, the next big thing. So after that three years commitment, so you can sign back to that. You can sign a six-year contract. There's a thing called Palace Front, Palace Chase. You can transition to a, being a guardsman after three years. You, they can come in, look at your room anytime they want. They have to give you notice, but you don't have any privacy. And the, at least, and I can't speak to the other services, but the active duty Air Force really has turned into an active duty, a Hunger Games mentality. If you're not working 60 hours a week at a minimum, you're never going to progress in your career. And for a job that pays that poor, if you're working that much, you're not going to be educating yourself and getting your education done. You're not going to be learning on these side hustles, trying to figure out what you're really good at that you can turn to a full-time job. And that's where the guard is a much, much better, the work-life balance, as much as I hate that term, is far, far superior. And I think part of that too is because you have a majority of guardsmen work in the real world. And the stuff that uh, active duty asks their folks to do would never, ever fly. In mainstream Fortune 500 jobs, much less at your high-end, top-tier places to work. And the next thing, it, it's something to think about. There's danger, right? There is some danger. And I, I talk frequently because I've had a lot of friends suicide or pass away while they're in the service, accidents, different things. There is a chance that you'll be sent to combat. You can be in a, a non-combat, sweet AFSC, sit in the middle of Idaho, coach college basketball, and find yourself in the middle of a you know, low-grade civil war in short order, unpre completely unprepared for it and uh, have to rely on, on friends and, and folks smarter than you to get through. And just looking at the politics around the country, I, I don't see this happening anytime soon, but there's been so much change so fast, who knows? But there's an increasing chance of a low-grade civil war here in the States. Uh, during the Summer of Love, we saw all kinds of cities being burned to the ground. The military wasn't called up the guard in most places where these things were, were happening weren't called up but that's something you could be uh, tasked to do so it's just something to think about there talked about the hours the next thing is is lack of stability so on active duty you're going to move every two to four years so you're not going to be able to build that tribe you're not going to be able to build a community and it's it's hard on your spouse and and i just moving the last uh, what well, we moved three times now as a family in the 11 years we've been married. That's hard. And one of those was just into a rental house from 10 miles away. And Andrea stayed and the girls stayed at the same job for a year or school rather. So that's definitely something to think about. And then the, the next thing is the degradation of leadership. And again, perhaps this is just because I'm old. And I'll, I'll tell you, there was a Twitter thread that I saw. And it talks about when you first put on E5, which is entry into the non-commissioned officer corps. You look up those E7s, E8s, E9s, of which I'm one now, the senior NCOs, and you go, man, those guys have got their stuff together. They know what's going on. And you really want to emulate those folks because they really look like they've got it figured out. And then you, you step across that threshold into being an E7, <laughs> and you're behind the curtain, 
and you're looking around at those same guys that you were so admiring a few years earlier, and you realize it's all being held together with voodoo and duct tape, and they're all just spinning plates. And one of them yells at you, come over here, keep these plates going. It's my turn to retire. And that's what you do. There is far more making things up on the fly improvisation than I ever imagined at the upper reaches in the NCO. It is seeing new problems that no one's seen before and figuring out a solution on the fly. And we're really good at it. But as the economy and pay on the outside is better than what we're making, and and every time we've had cutbacks, uh, when they cut in 2010, 2011, in that period of time, folks who are talented have options. And when they offer folks money to leave, your talented people know they can make more money on the outside and they leave. So every time we do that, we're not very good at all about this is the time to keep, to cut the dead weight and let's cut 25% more than we need and give a pay raise to the folks who stay behind. Let's keep the high performers. It's always the opposite. It's the, the weirdest thing in the world, but it is what it is. So that degradation of leadership is definitely something there. Right now, we're not in war. There's no clear mission. So what are we preparing for? Are we preparing for war with China, war with Russia, peacekeeping in Ukraine, Africa missions? What are we preparing for? If you ask the four different branches, they'll tell you four different things. There's Again, there's no clear enemy. During the Cold War, we hated commies. It didn't matter if you're North Korean or a Chinese or a Vietnamese or a Russian communist. We hate your guts. Hate, 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 hate. Old Dave Chappelle bit. And the, the next thing is with pulling out of Afghanistan and Iraq, there is no clear reason to have a budget as large as what we have. So there's going to be, my, my guesstimation would be if, and I don't think it's going to happen, but if uh, the Democrats keep control of the House and the Senate, along with President Biden, there will probably start to be budget cuts from the military, another another rounds of BRACs. I could see a having of the force pretty, and I could make an argument for it myself, although I probably wouldn't agree with how they would do it, to save money and spend this money more wisely. So that, as a young guy being in, uh, in the middle of a BRAC, is just re- super disconcerting. So what are alternatives to joining the military? If the things I told you aren't for you about the plus side, what are the alternatives? First is junior college, community college, nearby where you're at. Live your happy crack at home. Listen to your parents. Be a good roommate. Put your dishes in the dishwasher. It's pretty simple, right? Uh, One day a week, clean up your bathroom. Say hello to your parents. These little things. But you can pay out of pocket, or if you're really sweet and your parents are in the position to do to, do so, junior college can be paid for out of pocket, out of their pocket. But you can definitely work a job and pay for junior college in most states. But what are you going to junior college for? If you don't have a clear plan of a business plan, I'm going to invest in myself this much money. This is the job that's going to be waiting for me. It's going to pay this much money. And my return on investment is going to be X number of months, years, whatever that is, you shouldn't be there. If you don't have a hard business plan that you could take to a bank and get a loan, you shouldn't waste your money, your time, or your parents' money or time. Next thing is the trades. Now, the trades are the closest thing you can get to the military in civilian life. You're going to be insulted. You're going to be yelled at. 
there, there might be some physical um, <laughs> training, physical correction. So, and they're desperate for people who will just show up on time and do what they're told without uh, questioning. Desperate. Walk, go find an electrician in the phone book. Just start cold calling electricians or plumbers or HVAC companies and say, I want to be an apprentice. I, I have no experience, but I will be there every day. I will take minimum wage until you think I'm worthy of more. My goodness, because as an E1, you're going to make far less than minimum wage for the hours you're going to work. And then the next thing that you should be doing right now, if you're in high school, if you're in college, if you're in the military, is entrepreneurship. The kids these days call it a side hustle, right? You need to find what talents you have, find markets, learn how to sell, learn how to market, learn how to talk to people. Again, discipline, all these things. Being friendly, learning how to sell is one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given. So, and you can do that on the farm. If you're on a homestead now, what are your side hustles? What are value adds on your farm that you can increase your bottom line with? So those are my thoughts. It is a mixed bag. There's no, if you do this, you're the dumbest person in the world. If you don't do this, you're the dumbest person in the world. It is like Walter Block often says, in this life, there are no solutions, only trade-offs. So I can't tell you. I'm happy to answer questions, give you feedback. But those are my thoughts on that. As always, thank you for listening. I hope that you found some value in this. And hopefully, I'm getting better as a broadcaster, communicating ideas, being prepared, all those things. Any feedback on that side too? Constructive? If you're going to tell me a problem, you better tell me the answer. But again, as always, appreciate you listening. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.